we're so mortal mm -hmm. and there's a kind of dumb corporeality mm -hmm. to us, which right. is very vulnerable, right. like a waxy ear and a you know, skin that's aging and can get cut. And we have these apertures that go from the inside of our body to the outside and we're just meat, we're just flesh. Mm. But on, and being able to really paint that is really important to my project. Welcome to episode seven of Magic Praxis, a podcast in which artists talk to artists in their studios. In this episode, we visit the studio of Jenny Dubnow. I'm Kate Hawes, and this is Clarity Haynes. Jenny Dubnow is a painter of portraits. She works from photographs resulting from highly staged photo shoots that reveal the many layers of detail in faces and flesh. Her larger-than-life figures, mostly heads and upper bodies, expose the strangeness of the individual. Our vanities, our self-presentation, our quirks, and momentary lapses in control over how we are seen. We visited Jenny in her Long Island City studio, where we discussed historical and contemporary meanings of portraiture, fads and taboos in representational painting, and how the artist taught herself to paint using photographs of cadavers. I've painted a lot of people that I don't know at all and people that I know very well. Like mostly I paint friends and acquaintances, do a lot of self-portraits. And I think that for the most part, it doesn't really matter who I paint. On the other hand, I would say that when I painted my parents, there's a lot of layers of extra emotion oh, yeah. there. It's real, you can't be objective about your own parents. Right. But I would say for the most part, it's not really about the person per mm -hmm. se, because I would say 90, 8% of it is projection. I don't know if you feel that way about when you do your paintings. Is there any such thing as making a portrait of an actual person? Is it really about them? And has there ever been such a thing? I don't like, know. I wanted to ask you, because I know that you're, you're very inspired by the history of portraiture, mm. and you're very knowledgeable about the history of painting and portraiture, and you know, you've consciously chosen to kind of work within in relation to that genre. Yeah. As a contemporary artist working in portraiture, do you think there's a difference in what portraiture means and in how you approach it than if it were, say, in the 18th century? I mean, I think contemporary artists have such a self-consciousness about making art. We scrutinize our moves in a way that probably artists in the past didn't. I mean, I think that there was a cognizance of the history that they were working with, depending on yeah. the artist. There was a, a great interest in art of the past, whatever their past was. But there's something very self-conscious about the way that contemporary artists move our practice forward. And sometimes I think it's great, and I think there's some negative things about it too, because it makes us, sometimes I think it, may, it makes us too self-conscious and cautious to make a leap and just do whatever the hell we want to do. Right. Yeah, I mean, I know that like portraiture, I mean, there were like probably magical meanings that it had, probably in terms mm. of what happens to departed souls and the idea of mortality and painting someone who's gone and those Egypto-Roman funerary images. Those, I think, were the first true portraits, probably, because they were clearly of individuals. And I believe they had something to do with funerary uh, meanings. Um, and then were you they had, painted, like, after someone died? I don't, I'm not familiar with them. I could be wrong about this, but I think that a lot of them were post-mortem, and I think some of them wow. literally were painted on, like, sarcophagi. And then I, I know in the Renaissance, a lot of the portraits were for marriage purposes, like, here's what your future mm -hmm. wife could look like, or, like, those, um, was it Ghirlandaio? 
or Piero della Francesca, I think some of the profile images. And then I think some of them also had to do with like a portrait in front of their land. Right. Here's the person and right. here's what they own. And I think power and prestige, and then I think maybe the 19th century, it, prob it was power and prestige too, but I think it was, became more personal. Mm -hmm. Like here is, you know, what a beautiful wife and mother, you know. Before photography, families would commission a family portrait or a portrait of an important person in the family. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, I think a lot of it was commemorative. And I, I mean, obviously, I think it, the people who were commissioning the portraits were wealthy for the most part. And, you know, I think as family life evolved, like, it became more about showing the family or showing an image, an idea of the family. Um, and then I think it was probably a relatively late change where the portraiture became about this idea of capturing the soul or the personality or the spirit of somebody. I think there's a lot of conceptual portraiture too, where there's a hyper-awareness of what the meanings of portraiture have been. Mm -hmm. I think about representational art and I think about portraiture a lot because I'm so hyper conscious of my desire to make paintings that aren't rehashes and aren't backward looking, mm -hmm. but yet at the same time that really are me and are authentic. That's a really, can be a really difficult line to, to kind of straddle, that balance between making something that's not academic, and but it really is you. So you're, you're making these personal intuitive leaps that have to do with just you as a person living in your time but you're also hyper aware of the baggage and I think the history of portraiture and representational pain, oil painting on canvas, right. which is what I do, it's very traditional. And there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years that I feel I have to contend with. So to me, I think one of the most interesting aspects of portraiture is the idea of a portrait. If you're painting a particular person who lives at a particular time or lived at a particular time, you're painting their visage, but you're really also painting the zeitgeist of the times, which is inscribed upon their faces and the clothing they're wearing and their body yeah. language and their surroundings. Right. So you're kind of like capturing a moment in time in amber. It's not just that person. And to me, that's maybe the most powerful thing yeah. about looking at portraits. Yeah. And it's something I'm thinking about a lot right now in the portraits. And I think with all the politics swirling around and, you know, like the one I'm painting now, it's, that's kind of in progress. Just the idea of like, there's a lot of anxiety, see, yeah. a kind of distance, maybe even kind of disgust. Mm -hmm. He was wearing a Bernie yeah. t-shirt. He had a little drawing of Bernie. Oh my gosh, I'm, on t-shirt? At the very end of this painting, I'm gonna have to decide whether to put it in or not. It? You yeah. should, he was think wearing I should? it. He was wearing it. Yeah. I and mean, it was, he just happened to be wearing it. He's, right. I know. love like picking, like that, picking things out like that. Yeah. And like being yeah. like, that looks like it's from the 90s. Right. Because I remember those striped oh, t shirts or, right. you know, like well, seeing the Alice, or, the amazing Alice Neal show. Oh, yeah. I think is, we just saw that. that. Is she's such a master oh and she's yeah. such a total touchstone for me. Oh, as yeah, a contemporary yeah. portrait so painter, those portraits are so yeah. fresh, yeah. but they're, they're so particular. Yeah, yeah. I to mean, the time and to the time, place. Yeah. and to her and her life, and you know, uptown and Absolutely. like New York. Yeah.
You've made two portraits of Donald Trump so far, and right. it's pretty clear from looking at yeah. them. Yeah. <laughs> I can't stand the guy. That and I only know. Him. Right. What was behind the decision to crop the mouth and um, take well, away his, his brain and his head and yeah, his eyes? Yeah. I think I, I just painted it out of a very pure loathing and hate. I mean, I needed to do that. Right. And I really had been flailing in the studio for quite a while. I really think the whole lead up to the election yeah. just was death to me in here. Yeah. I was so distracted. Yeah. And I felt so horrible and nervous and anxious. And then after the election, I was flailing away at this failure of a painting. For months, I'd been beating on this painting. And it, I never do that. They never take that long. And I, I kind of knew in my heart it was a failure. And after the election, I was like, you know what? Yeah, I'm going to make I'm gonna make a Trump painting. Right. I'm going to do it. I think the reason that I, I cropped in was because I didn't want to show his humanity. Cropping in on someone de humanizes them in a certain way, to some right, degree. Right. You're taking away their agency. Mm-hmm. And I, I wanted to own him. It's like, I'm in control of the world because I'm the artist. Right. So I am depicting his horror the way I want it to be seen. And I tried to well, make it as revolting as I possibly yeah, it's, could. It's perfectly successful in doing that. Well, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's actually amazing that you looked at a photograph and were able to make something so visceral and corporeal. Making a painting from a photo, the way I paint it, is not at all photorealist. Like, I'm not interested in the surface of the photo. I'm not interested in the photo as an object. I'm interested in uh, kind of reinterpolating the information that's in the photo into a painting language, which is kind of like reanimating it. I mean, I'm not saying that to cast aspersions upon photography, because I love photography. But as a painter, what I'm interested in is painting space. And I'm interested in form, and that's part of the meaning of the work, like making it palpable. A lot of that is an act of imagination and looking, but occasionally there's a photo that just simply doesn't have enough information. Or the information is too blurry and photographic, and you know maybe the shadows are just too flat or too dark. You know, I, that's why I take my own photos for the portraits, yeah, because yeah. I really need to light them so I have enough information. Occasionally I'll put in a shine or a glint. I don't mind mm-hmm. if there's a little faint hint of photography in there, but it's about, really about painting and the idea of a person. Um, Well, I want to come clean and say that I modeled for you. Yes, you did. And I posed for you, partly because I love your work and I wanted to see what the process would be like. And I wouldn't do that for any, just any person, because it's a giving up of a lot of control to be on the other side. So it was an interesting experience because, and I'm so glad I did it, because being here in your studio, and all those lights you used and how hot it was, literally. You really know what you're doing. Put, over time, I'm sure you, I'm horrible. you know what you're doing. You are? Well, anyway, there were a lot of lights. There and were a lot of lights. Very professional. Yeah. And, um, and then I think the, in a way, the kind of the magical part of it, the creative part, is where you choose the photograph. Yeah, it's in the editing. Because it was a process. Because when, when I saw yeah. the painting, I had no idea what you were going to go for out of all the right. photos. I never saw them again. Yeah. And um, when I saw the painting, my first reaction, and I didn't think I would be prey to vanity, yeah. but was, oh, no. Like, I was literally disturbed for several <gasps> days. Oh, my God, that's fascinating. Like, literally disturbed and ambivalent for several yeah. days. And then over time, 
it became completely different. It became huh. seeing it as one of your paintings and yeah. whether or not I, it, it was one of your better ones in my eyes. I think so. And I, and I actually think so. Because, I can pull it down later. Sure. Yeah, because we were, have, we were talking. Oh, yeah, I've never seen it in I've person. I've never seen it in person. I'd love to see it. it. That would be yeah. fun. Because Don't let me the weirdness okay. of it is, is, my, is my side eye. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, I'm looking out of the corner of my small little eye, exactly. and it's so weird. And it's I look very, very distrustful. You do? But I love that. It's like, it's a subtle punctum. Yeah. You know, Kate and I were talking yeah. about the punctum, and I know you're interested yep. in, in Bart's concept yeah. of the kind of weirdness yes. in something. Yes. And I am too. And we were looking yeah. through your, and we actually played a game we called played Find the Punctum. Where's the Punctum? <laughs> yeah. Have you ever booked up that before? It's a I fun game. I do that. I've played that game, I think. Well, there's also the, the I love the uncanny. Yeah. I love things yeah. that are, Almost normal, but just off enough that yeah. it, it doesn't exactly. freak Almost you out normal. where you're yes. going to run away screaming, right. but you're going to be quite unsettled. Yeah, and, and it's yeah. the subtlety. Like, like when we looked through the whole series where it was like the witch hat and all these different yeah. things, we didn't connect to that as much, and I think it's because it was more obvious well yeah it's a whole different thing because it's almost like performative right like right the, you know the happy face sad face yeah. right i mean i think that was probably my final nod to cindy sherman yeah right yeah. that makes sense so that incredibly sense. important to me i mean i yeah. came of age as an artist in right. the 80s. and it was right. like the early 2000s right. late 90s or something that was yeah and i was making a show and i wanted to have like a theme that really pulled the work together. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm glad that you relate more to the more recent work mm -hmm. because it was really fun to make that work. Because you were like, ooh, it does look what like else it was fun. could I do to my face? Right, right. It was really, really fun. Yeah, and it's humorous. And it's humorous. Yeah. Yeah. And I had a whole list of things. And after about a year or so of making that work, or maybe a little more than a year, I just, I got bored with it. And yeah. I was like, right. you know, yeah. how many more... You know, because you kind of know what the punchline is before you make it's the a, painting, too. It's a exactly. Line. Yeah. punchline painting. You're sort of feeding yeah. it to us too readily. Exactly. But in there are some other ones. Like, I love the one of the man with the black eye mm. or the woman with the yeah. scraped face where it's, mm -hmm. it seems natural that right. they just walked into your studio. And I think that in my work, I know this about myself as a, you know, slightly older artist. Um, I have no, no problem saying that I'm a realist and no problem saying that I make portraits. And I used to shy away from mm -hmm. both of those labels. I read somewhere, I think it was in Modern Painters ma uh, magazine, and it was Pity the Poor Portrait Painter. Wow. In, in reference to somebody who had made a, a portrait of the queen and she didn't like it or something. Wow. But but it was this whole idea that like contemporary artists must indeed pity the poor portrait painter. Well, it was such a, so low in the genres. It's like low in the genres along with still life and it's yeah. gendered as well. Yes, it is. But it's also the idea of portrait, you know, sort of the hack out there. You know, yeah. you're doing things on commission and that's all and there's right. not much. But also it's the idea that you're not going to be able to make a grand statement yes. through a portrait. You know, the whole hierarchy of Western painting would be the huge history painting right. with multiple figures or the thing that's commenting on society or the country or this political state or even something right. religious. Right. But portrait is like one single solitary person right. and saying that that's important. Right. Exactly. But in that, like you point out, that is relevant. It's so relevant. So relevant. Yeah. I mean, that painting of that kid, if you put that, um, that's going to be incredibly... The Bernie sign on his yeah. shirt. You think it'll be interesting? I do, because there's so much controversy It's about It's going to locate it in a certain time. It, it it's going to be very... There's a specificity to it that's interesting. Exactly. Yeah. And it's that specificity and the idea that through a single person, the zeitgeist is indeed there that I think is yeah. really kind of... 
revolutionary yeah. about your work. But I, I understand. I, I was wondering if that was hard for you, being in the art world and feeling pressure to maybe put some bells and whistles on it or it give is. it a spin. Or, yeah. Because it's so subtle. And I think, you know, some of the, my favorite paintings of yours, the punctum is very subtle. Right. And I'm wondering if maybe some people may not appreciate that um, level of subtlety. Unfortunately, I think that's really been a big problem for me in my career. And, you know, it is what it is, yeah. unfortunately. I mean, I, I do agree with you. And I, I think that I'm more and more interested in more and more subtlety mm-hmm. and less and less bashing you over the head. And uh, the art world's not into nuance right now. Right. I also think a big problem, to be honest, and I don't know if you feel this way, is style. I mean, we all know figuration is big, yeah. big in right now, but, but it's, right. it can't be detailed, mm-hmm. it can't, which I think is gender-wise quite interesting. Mm-hmm. Why do you say gender-wise? Because women are stigmatized for being into, like, quote-unquote, prissy little details or something? Yeah. Is that what you're talking about? Literally. Okay. There, there's a whole body of thought. I mean, it's not that there's no men who do that and that all women do that. Of course not. But I think there's an idea that has a gendered quality. I, I'm not going to say gender is the main driving force. It's not all detail. It's also, um, I'm going to say skill. I'm okay. just going to come out okay. and say it. I mean, I yeah. think, although I think skill is a really loaded word, I don't fetishize skill at all the way some sectors of maybe yeah. the more academic representational art world do. I think that there's a lot of terrible painting that's quote, play, very yeah. quote skillful. But if yeah. you show any kind of sophistication uh, in the work, I, I think that there's, let's put it this way, I think it's less about hating something that quote looks like it's skillful and it's more about fetishizing a kind of de-skilled work. I mm-hmm. think, I, I, I maybe I'm yeah, playing that with makes language sense. here. But, yeah. you know, it's like yeah. all the work in the biennial mm-hmm. that's representational is quite, quote, de-skilled looking. Yeah. And I think yeah. some of it's really great. Yeah. And some of it's not great, mm-hmm. in my opinion. I'm always wrestling with how much should I kind of tweak the work to potentially make it more knowable. I, unfortunately, the more I develop as an artist, the less interested I am in that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, this is the one room in the universe where I feel free yeah. to do what I want to do. And I need to hold on to that. We'll return to our conversation with Jenny Dibnow in a moment. You're listening to Magic Praxis, a podcast in which artists talk to artists in their studios. To see images of the works we're discussing, please visit our website, magicpraxis.com. We appreciate your support. If you like this podcast, please rate us and review us on iTunes. Share with your friends and spread the word. And now back to our conversation. You gotta have self-awareness to be an artist. Right. That's what I think. Right. Well, maybe that's not always true. See, you know, that's the thing about art. That's true. It's like, like just when you think you can make a sweeping statement, you realize you really can't. Someone could come along. I'm, I'm sure we can think of artists who are very unself-aware, or where stuff leaks out in spite of yourself in a good way. Yes. There's the stuff leaking out in a bad way, and right. stuff leaking out in a good way. Right. And I don't really the know how to define that. stuff. Do you I mean, think I'm that sure in your work there's something that you've discovered along the way that something's leaking out that oh, you were not conscious constantly. of? constantly. Yeah, that must, and, that's and I interesting. Try, but I, I think of myself as a highly self-conscious and self-aware person. Sure. Probably too so much. So what are those moments, for example? Oh, well, many of them I, I don't think I can even talk about. But like, like I'm constantly... One of the lesser ones. <laughs> well, let's, let me think about this. Like I'm constantly um, scrutinizing the paintings and I, I psychoanalyze them. 
I do. Um, you know, I, th I think that sometimes I look at like little, the little divots in the self-portrait, like where the neck meets the collarbone. Duh. And I think a lot of it's very vaginal. Mm, you know, and I think, wow, that's a lot of. But then I think, well, am I just seeing that? Anyway? Right. I mean, that you're shape so, right here, but yeah. the, there's two, one on either side. Yeah. And then sometimes I even, I think I see a lot of vaginas in my paintings. Mm -hmm. Like know, I do. Yeah. And like you know, like even the um, with this portrait of the guy, the wrinkles in his shirt. I'm like, is that vaginal? Interesting. But then sometimes I'm so. I'm scrutinizing these for like psychosexual meaning. Mm -hmm. and, You're you know, a little Freudian. I am a little Freudian, and I think that, <laughs> and I think that a lot of times I'm, I just am hyper looking for things like trying to see it through other people's eyes. Yeah, um, I do think there's a lot of psychosexual stuff going on in yeah. these, but it's but it's subtle and it's under the surface. They're not overtly sexual, but um, you know, like like in the portrait of my niece there, I, I think, you know, that really, there's a look in her face that's very familial. And I think, you know, she's stubborn and she's so angry. And sometimes I think I'm just so stubborn and angry. And it actually reminds me of, there's a family portrait. My uncle was a really good artist and he did a pastel drawing of my mother. She's probably about the same age as Roxy is there. And she has the same stubborn look where she's, she's a sailor dress on, I'm not even kidding. Mm. And it was probably done in the 40s. And she's just sitting there and she has this look of like <laughs> inchoate, frustrated, powerless, mm. maybe rage. And I think that that is there mm. in that painting. And I think that that's you know, a gendered thing. Yeah. That I'm reading into it. And, and I think it's like out. something in your yeah. family. Like it's sort of like I there's this generation right. of I think it might be. That. And that's something I didn't consciously intend. Right. To that's do, really cool. But it leaked out. I think your work is so much about empathy. And it makes me think too though about conversations we've had before about the idea of not offending and where is that line? Because if you're looking for the weirdness and you're looking for the punctum, do you ever feel that you can't quite that you hold yourself back? Yeah. From making it just that weird in order to not yeah. offend someone? I'm sure that I try hard not to hold back, but I'm sure that I do. And I, I guess I'll never know how much weirder the real me wants these to be. But then you get to the question of id and superego. And, you know, if we're all id, that's not so interesting either. Like, if, it, if it's just, right. like, your most base desires or your most primal desires, right. that's not particularly interesting. There is something about constraint which can be very interesting and powerful. Yeah. I mean, I'm glad you find the work empathic. I mean, when I look at it, I think there's a lot of humanity to it. But I also think that there's, I'm not going to say brutality, but there is... A raking honesty, mm -hmm. let's put it that way. And, and I would say it's more than, it's not even honesty, because I think that most of the people I paint, I think I make people look, quote, less good than they really do in life. Like, you're, it's a perfect example. I think I made your eyes smaller than they are. The way that your eye is turning back, it looks sneaky. Yeah. That's almost the opposite See, of I your think personality. It, looks, it looks distrustful. It could be distrustful. And I, it, looks, too. it looks guarded, like who just walked into the room. But it's all a lie. You know what? What if they are more than that? What if yeah, they are? I don't know. That's what the if, thing. What if, you're, what if you're an empath in the other sense of the word? And what if you're revealing some kind of truth that nobody was previously aware of? Well, and that gets us circles in, in an interesting way back to the 
one of our original questions, which is, can a portrait do that? Right. What is an objective truth about someone, and can a portrait show that? I don't think I'm answering the question. I think I'm. I hope that the paintings are asking the question mm-hmm. of who who is someone, who is right. anyone, right. Really? Right, right? Who are right. they? What can we know by looking at them? What are they thinking underneath their skin, mm-hmm. inside their head, and in but their heart? But really, just in this moment, not as an entire person. Like it's like this person might look, you know, startled, but like he's not like that all the time. I mean, it's really just like a tiny moment. You know. I mean, I remember when we did the photo shoot of you, I actually love a turning eye. It's one of my favorite things to paint. And I, I said to you, keep your head still, mm-hmm. but turn you just did. your eye back. That's right. I remember you that. I made you do that. Turn, yeah. And right. you, I think you it's even said, like, try looking up a little bit yeah. or something. And, and, I, yeah. and I do that all the time with people. Like I say, close right. your mouth, open your mouth, tilt your head up. I'm telling them. It's, it's yeah. a big stew of mediated and real truths and pictures. Un- right, right. Probably the only truth that comes through is my my artistic notions and ideas. Yeah, that's right. what what the world is like to me on some Maybe objective all truth that can you. be gleaned. They are, I think they are. Mm. Interesting. Not to be narcissistic. But of or, course, or, you've heard that about, saying that about, like all portraits are self portraits. But in a way, all art is it's about the person. That's true. Or, or certainly, let's put it this way: it's about the world as seen through the eyes. And the, and the yeah. individual experience yeah. of a human being, you know, whether even if it's an abstract painting or a film or a piece of music, yeah. right. it's a, a, you know something that's created through the scrim of someone else's consciousness. Right. I don't know if that's any more true for portraits than any other kind of art, but it's pretty interesting. It might be just because you're dealing with humans, right? You know, mm-hmm. which actually brings me to this question I had, which I don't know if a lot of people ask you about, but the flowers that you mm. paint. Which don't, doesn't seem like you paint that many. No, but I don't. I'm really interested in yeah. how you see them. Yeah, I can pull that one out. I've gone back yeah, to flowers, I mean, and I still want to paint. I love the idea of painting flowers. Um, to me, they're stand-ins for humans, without any doubt. That's what we were thinking. Yeah. yeah, I used to do them more. This is a fairly recent one. I don't know if I'll do another one anytime that soon, but I probably will. Is that a chrysanthemum? I think so. It's, it's a really cheesy, yeah. I think it is a kind of chrysanthemum. Can I, can I move it over yeah, just a little bit? Because it occurred to me, I don't know if you've ever done this, but I, I love the idea of seeing them next to each other. I used to show at Bernice Steinbaum Gallery, and I did have a show there which was alternating portraits and flowers, and they were more single flowers, oh, so it was even more yeah. portrait-like. Oh, wow, interesting. Yeah. I loved the one online that I saw that was a, a lily, a white lily. There's a petal coming out in the front and it has like, it looks like it was bent over and then you like unbent it and there's yeah, a crease. a crease. That's the punctum. Totally. Exactly. Well, and you know, the thing about the flower paints, I mean, and these are pretty fucked up flowers. When you look at them closely, there's, there's a ferocity to them, mm-hmm. but they're also beautiful. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and they're so short-lived is also the thing. Like, you're capturing this fleeting moment. And, and with people, we're sitting there aging, too. It's really the same it's thing. So yeah, true. but that's the... the it yeah. makes you think... Like, that's in, why that looks so good next to that painting. Yeah, mm. like, looking at your other work and right. then looking at the flowers, that's right. the right. kind of thing that you start yeah. to think about. Exactly. Right. But we're very, you know, we're, we're, not, we're full of flaw. Isn't that the yeah. human condition? Like, we're, we're all flawed. Right. And if you're going to like humanity... You better embrace the flaws, that's you true. know. And and sometimes I'm not even sure if I like humanity. So right, that's interesting. <laughs> right, more and more. I feel and like the, often your portraits feel like they're the um, 
little gap between what someone wanted to present mm. and who they actually are, like something slipped through. Yeah, that's a good point. Like there's one man who has kind of a tan face, and then mm-hmm. you see he must have gotten a haircut recently, and you see how his tan ends a little sooner. Huh. You know, it's something like that. It's, it's like the cracks that, yeah. that you can see through in people's yeah. self-presentation, that vulnerability. Yeah. I think about vulnerability and self-presentation a lot. And especially, I think there's a particular thing that happens when you're clicking with shutter, where you kind of, quote, compose right. your exactly. That's self the other for the thing photo. about yeah. you taking photographs, is that you're really setting a situation up where people try to defend themselves, right. and then you kind of deconstruct that. Yeah. And I think with the whole, you've experienced it, but with the lights, it is a little intimidating, and you feel there's mm-hmm. something kind of clinical about it. Yeah. And it's a little, it's a little intense. Yeah. And I think that that accentuates right. that kind of feeling of being scrutinized. It's hard. It's vanity. It's yeah. very, very real. Yes, it's very human. In a way, vanity is almost yeah. your subject matter. Yeah, someone I know once called them an anti-vanity project. Interesting. Which, I don't know if that really encapsulated it, but I think that's true of them. But they're still trying. Everybody's still trying yes. their best. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know? We do. And, and, you know, the truth of the matter is we do look wonderful. I mean, what's really wonderful is, is people's humanity. There's such a history in Western painting, even recently, like with Lucian Freud, yeah. this idea that by painting the what's just beneath the surface, yeah. like the veins, that you're actually gaining somehow, you're getting close to that idea that you'd get to the soul or you'd get to right. the truth of the psychology. Yeah. And, but for me, I think I think of it almost in a, in a different way. Well, maybe partly it, it, it's a metaphor for psychological mm-hmm. knowing, but I mm-hmm. think I, I actually often think of it as an interesting duality, which oh. is how we are just flesh, okay. but yet, but yet, like almost in opposition, we also right. are this quicksilver consciousness. Mm. What is that? Right. It's just a brain, but yet it's something more right. as long right. as we're alive. I read in the hyperallergic Beer with a Painter with yeah. Jennifer Samet that you when you were at Yale, you went to the medical school library and you did paintings from autopsy photos. Yeah. You went into this kind of gory, grotesque place. Yeah. And you, you have that knowledge behind you. And, and Jennifer Samet seemed to suggest that that informed, that there's this right. sense of what's underneath, like the way the lip curves Definitely. into the face, that you have that awareness. Making those paintings was really informs mm. my work. And I'm, I think That's that really it's in there. That's where I learned to paint bec- really because I was just mushing the paint around until it felt the way I wanted it to, right. re- representationally speaking. Right. There's, that sounds so simple, but it's not that simple. Like learning yeah. that I could push the paint descriptively. Like I was flying blind with the paint, but I could push it mm-hmm. and push it and push it, and then bam, it would start to become what I wanted it to be. One of the biggest metaphors for me in the work is thinking about inside and, and outside, yeah. interior and exterior, mm. and the way um, we're so mortal, mm-hmm. and there's a kind of dumb corporeality mm-hmm. to us, which right. is very vulnerable, right. like a waxy ear and a you right. know skin that's aging and can get cut, and we have these apertures that go from the inside of our body to the outside, and we're just meat, we're just flesh, mm. but on, and being able to really paint that is really important to my project. And frankly, that's something that observational realism can accomplish that 
can accomplish that really right. well. But then I'm also really interested in how we glean from, you know, as humans, we're able to scan and scrutinize each other's faces and body language for mean clues to what the other person is thinking and feeling. And we do the same thing with a portrait. We're scanning, mm-hmm. like, the, the tilt, the, you know, the, the particular set of a mouth or the way an eye turns or the way a chin is, held, you know, how high up your head is tilted or how low and is it cocked to the side. All these things are our clues, which we're adept at reading, for endless nuances yeah. of the mm-hmm. internal thought of the other. Mm-hmm. And I find that fascinating. You know, two lips pressed together, there are an infinite number of ways you can press your lips together, from holding back laughter to sneering mm-hmm. to rage right. to uptightness. I mean, right. it, it, I can't even name all the different ways right. that can mean, but yet it's two slabs of meat. Right. I mean, I just can't get right. over that. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah. So like being, you know, a very particular realist, descriptive realist, you know, when I did that painting of Roxy, of the little girl, the set of her mouth was so particular and it was so nuanced and subtle and held so much meaning. And I worked so hard drawing and redrawing that line to get it to be a beautiful, fresh line, but also to express exactly what I wanted to pull from that facial expression, which is something that's really not nameable, Mm -hmm. but that's so particular somehow. If it tilts a millimeter left, up or down, it's read a it as a different thing. Yeah. Right. It could wow. be a sneer so versus a smirk. And right. those two things mean different things. Right. And I think like the question you asked before about like what leaks out of me, one thing I'm also I think you alluded to it as well, Clarity, is like what is being betrayed by these sitters, what inner feelings of theirs or desires or inclinations are being are leaking out of them despite their instincts to be seen in one way, we're gonna see them in a slightly different way that they may not, may not be able to control. That's true for everyone. We know that's true, right. but it's a very disturbing thing to think about. Yeah. That yeah. we really can't control how other people see us and read us. Right. We'd like to be seen a certain way, all of us. And, and we'd like to think really that everybody's always so nice and has the best of intentions. Right. And, yeah. you know, and yet, yeah. we, you know, you as an artist struggle with your sort of, can I go here without right. this person being upset? Yeah. Can I, you know, it's not the most right. cheerful, sweet impulse. No. Um, and you mm-hmm. accept that in yourself. Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. actually the interesting thing about the painting. Yeah, I think so. This episode of Magic Praxis was mixed by John Bender, who also does our music. Sign up for future episodes on iTunes or at magicpraxis.com. Thanks for listening and see you next time. <laughs>